Hello, thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, APACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Chief Nursing Officer for APACN, and I'm here today with Jacob Berlowitz, Program Manager for the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health and Nursing Facilities, to discuss how the center can assist nursing homes. Welcome, Jacob. Thank you, Amy. It's my pleasure to be here to share with your listeners today. And uh, just a note before we get started that although our center is a collaboration between CMS and SAMHSA, I'm not speaking on their behalf. Thank you for that. Jacob, can you provide an overview of the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health and Nursing Facilities? Would be my pleasure. Our center was established in September of 2022 through a grant from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA, and they're a federal agency that addresses the nation's behavioral health needs. And it was established in collaboration with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, which listeners are likely very familiar with. Uh, The grant was awarded to Alliant Health Solutions, which is an organization with over 50 years of experience with nursing home quality improvement and behavioral health work, and therefore it was a great fit for establishing and operating the center. Our mission and our purpose is to serve as a national hub on behavioral health in nursing facilities and provide training, resources, technical assistance to staff, at CMS certified nursing facilities. We focus on building the facility's capacity to meet the needs of residents who have serious mental illnesses, substance use disorders, serious emotional disturbances, or co-occurring disorders. And we focus primarily on the growing population in nursing facilities that's under 65 years of age. We're here to support nursing facilities in all 50 states and US territories, and therefore we have a team of 10 behavioral specialists that cover 10 geographical regions across the United States. Each of them live and work in the region that they serve, giving them local knowledge of the challenges and any specific resources that might be available in that region. The way that facilities can request help or engage with our center is very simple. The first step is for the nursing facility to contact our center. That can be done via our website form or via our national call center, and we always ask that facilities please use their full facility name and include their CCN number, which is their Medicare provider number, if they can, so that we can verify that they're a Medicare certified nursing facility and that they're eligible for our services. And after that, within two business days, one of our behavior specialists will reach out to the provider, set up a virtual meeting to learn more about the provider's behavioral health needs, and then together with them develop a plan of action. Uh, The plan of action typically includes training for the staff or resources that can be used in the facility like flyers or checklists. In addition to that individualized one-on-one support, we also maintain an online resource hub and are frequently adding new resources on behavioral health topics. These resources are developed specifically with nursing facilities in mind. We also offer several monthly live virtual training opportunities. You can see the upcoming training sessions on our website, and some of our trainings offer staff certifications and may typically have a cost associated with them, but all of our trainings are free, so that could be a good opportunity for a center to access 
some trainings that cost may have been a barrier for them in the past. I also want to mention that in September, we'll be launching a cohort learning initiative, an additional kind of training that will bring together groups of 30 facilities for monthly training and sharing sessions. And signups for that first cohort opens in August. And that's a summary of who we are and the services that we offer. Jacob, that was such a great overview, and I had no idea all of those services were available to our facilities. I want to ask a question that we often get from members. How might the Center of Excellence help facilities develop non-pharmacological interventions for behaviors? That's a very common question we get. You know, it's also a very common question that we get. Uh, it's uh, one of the most common requests we get is about non-pharmacological interventions and also de-escalating situations. And when we get those requests, we approach most requests from facilities with a combination of training opportunities and resource materials. And so for non-pharmacological interventions, one resource we offer is called a comfort menu. It's a one-page sheet that each resident can fill out or a staff member can help the resident fill it out, and it helps identify ways to reduce anxiety, discomfort, and pain without using medications. It offers over 60 items to choose from and check off in little checkoff boxes on the list, and most of them are very simple. For example, putting on your favorite clothes, calling a relative, or playing a board game. Now picture yourself as a staff member in a facility seeing the first signs that a resident is stressed or anxious. And now you can refer to the sheet that either the resident completed or that you previously completed together with the resident and suggest a preferred activity or a change of environment. So as you can see, this helps identify proactively in advance what's soothing or comforting for the resident during times of stress. If you've ever gone to see a psychotherapist, you may have experienced a similar approach where you're asked to make a plan in advance for what you're going to do when you're stressed or when you're having unwanted thoughts. It might be calling a friend, engaging in your favorite hobby, exercising, using aromatherapy, or just getting some fresh air. And so this approach is very similar and works very similarly with residents. This approach is also aligned with other initiatives that your facility may already be working on related to person-centered care or person-directed care. We also offer a resource called Tips to Manage Challenging Situations. This is a one-page flyer. It's suitable for sharing with all staff, and it offers some tips on what to do once a situation has already escalated, how best to de-escalate. These are some of the resources that we have related to non-pharmacological interventions, but we also offer training, including the Crisis Prevention Institute, or CPI's Verbal Intervention Training, which provides certification to staff on de-escalation techniques. And this is a certification course that normally comes at a cost per staff member, but is free through our center, so that's another good opportunity. Uh, we also offer introductory uh, or 101 trainings on serious mental illness and substance use disorders. And sometimes staff have a fear of working with residents with behavioral health needs, primarily due to a lack of understanding of their condition. And when the staff have a better understanding of the underlying condition, it lowers the stigma, but it also changes their attitude, their perspective, and their approach to the residents. 
And that can make a big difference with the non-pharmacological interventions as well. And finally, I want to remind listeners that non-pharmacological interventions don't always work on the first attempt. Oftentimes, it takes trial and error in order to figure out what's most helpful for any one individual, what meets their personal needs. Hopefully, our suggestions can act as a foundation and a starting point as you learn more about each individual resident's needs. Jacob, I feel like that is incredibly helpful to our listeners. I'm sure they're going to love those resources, so thank you. What should nursing facilities avoid and embrace when caring for residents with behavioral health issues? That's a great question, and the first thing that I think of is kind of general, but avoid minimizing behavioral health needs. When working with residents with all kinds of chronic medical conditions and significant disabilities like staff do in in a nursing facility, there may be a feeling that their behavioral health needs are not as valid, not as important, not as urgent, but severe depression or anxiety or psychosis or addiction cravings can be extremely painful and at times dangerous, and therefore they really should be a care priority. And putting the quality of care concerns aside for a moment, a good behavioral health program can have a significant impact on other high-focus areas in the facility. For example, increasing staff competence and confidence in managing behavioral health needs can lead to lower amounts of resident-to-resident or resident-to-staff incidents. This can improve staff satisfaction and retention. It can also lower the facility's risk for regulatory or legal exposure. My next item to avoid may sound familiar to listeners who've been working on quality improvement and quality measures in their facilities, but it bears mentioning. Avoid medication-first approaches. While medication can be an important part of a behavioral health plan, it should not be our very first tool that we pull out when addressing residents' behavioral health needs. Understanding the root cause of an escalation in symptoms is key to addressing them effectively and in the long term. And also, as we talked about earlier, a good proactive approach to identifying non-pharmacological interventions can be very effective. My next item is avoid stigmatizing language. Our choice of words have a lot of power. When we call a resident crazy or an addict or even difficult or attention-seeking, we're not setting ourselves up for positive interactions or a positive relationship with that resident. And we're also discouraging other residents and even staff from opening up about their own behavioral health needs until it reaches the point where it becomes an emergency. Avoid reactive approaches. During and after an incident that was related to behavioral health, facilities certainly need to react and then evaluate what happened and identify what can be done. But that should not be the time when most of your behavioral health work is happening. Instead, routinely evaluate facility capacity to meet behavioral health needs using your facility assessment process, and then make proactive plans for meeting behavioral health needs of current residents and of future admissions. Those plans may include building staff skills and knowledge on a particular topic, updating facility policies, identifying a community provider or partner, or even adding specialized behavioral health staff or consultants. And finally, I would say what facilities should do on a regular basis, behavioral health 
may seem unfamiliar or intimidating to some of the staff and even some of the clinicians, but just think of treating behavioral health issues like any other clinical issue in the facility. Think about what you already have in place for skin integrity or falls or elopements and adopt similar practices for serious mental illnesses and substance use disorders. Screen residents universally and routinely, identify what those screening tools are, evaluate the residents' needs, develop individualized care plans that are responsive to their needs, educate staff on skills and knowledge about the particular condition, and then repeat as needed. And I'm sure that what I've just described sounds very familiar to how we approach other areas of clinical need in the facility. So keeping that in mind can be really helpful as you approach behavioral health. Thank you for that. That was very informative. Is there anything else you would like to share today with our listeners? Sure. Thank you, Amy. Just a reminder, all of our center's behavioral health trainings, resources, and one-on-one support are totally free. Our team at the Center of Excellence is ready to assist you. We're just a click or a call away. And so I encourage you to visit our website at nursinghomebehavioralhealth.org and to also sign up for our monthly newsletter so that you can get helpful behavioral health information delivered right to your inbox. It's really the best way to also learn about our latest trainings and resources as they come out. Thank you for joining me today, Jacob. This was great information. I'm sure our listeners are going to be taking full advantage of all of the resources that the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health and Nursing Facilities has to offer. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Amy. And thank you to all the listeners for listening to this. Thank you for inviting me to talk with you today. It's my pleasure. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse assessment coordinators, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC NACCHAT podcast.